Welcome back, Heming Brainiacs, to the podcast. Apologies if there's some... It should be filtered out, but there might be a bit of a low rumbling in the background because my neighbour seems to have installed some kind of new sound system a few days ago uh, with a big old subwoofer. And um, I think I think their lounge room backs onto my office. And I also think that he spends about eight hours a day watching a film called Earthquake, the movie, where it just goes for like for all day, for just all day. Ah, neighbours. Anyway, we're talking about, who are we talking about? Marvel, Andrew Marvel. Acoustic Eel says, I'm imagining a guy walking through a garden and getting attacked by uh, fruit, thoughts in a garden. Did have that vibe of it when he said something about apples falling on his head or something. A bit Newton-esque. Swim, says the Mama Fish. He says, I like Marvel's stylings. Only a few of Marvel's poems were published in his lifetime. The bulk of them were found in his room by his housekeeper after his death. My theory is that he wrote poetry for relaxation, his hobby, if you will, and he was very good at it. Not on par with John Milton, but way up there. Yeah, I liked him. Um, in some ways I like them more than Milton's because I feel like Milton, you get the sense that Milton was a better poet and that he could just do it forever, you know, like Milton could just speak in poetry and write in poetry forever and not actually have to use any normal sentences. Um, he was so good at it, but also Milton, a lot of it to me was like, he was almost too good at it where it just becomes kind of a chore to read, you know, so, so much poetry about one thing. It's, it's overly descriptive. It's overly, I don't know, lyrical. Uh, and it's, it's very good. It's very impressive, but it's not as fun, I would say. And I found Andrew Marvel's poet, poems to have a, a better sense of fun about them. I wonder if you agree. They're more fun to read. You get the sense that he wasn't taking it quite as seriously, so it was probably more fun for him to write them. And, you know, he's not afraid to try to put a smile on your face when a lot of poets would shy away from such a sentiment. We've got a poet today called Henry Vaughan. 1621, died 1695. The first poem is called The Retreat. Happy those early days when I shined in my angel infancy, before I understood this place appointed for my second race, or taught my soul to fancy aught, but a white celestial thought, when yet I had not walked above or a mile or two from my first love, and looking back at that short space could see a glimpse of his bright face, when on some gilded cloud or flower my gazing soul would dwell an hour and in those weaker glories spy some shadows of eternity high. Before I thought my tongue to wound, my conscience, before I taught my tongue to wound, my conscience with a sinful sound, or had the black art to dispense a several sin to every sense, but felt through all this fleshy dress bright shoots of everlastingness. Oh, how I long to travel back and tread again that ancient track that I might once more reach that plain where first I left my glorious train from whence 
the enlightened spirit sees that shady city of palm trees. But ah, my soul with too much stay is drunk and staggers in the way. Some men a forward motion love, but I by backward steps would move. And when this dust falls to the urn, in that state I came return. This one's called Peace. My soul, there is a country far beyond the stars, where stands a winged sentry, all skilful in the wars. Skilful in the wars. There above noise and danger, with peace, sits crowned with smiles, and one born in a manger, commands the beauteous files. He is thy gracious friend, and O oh, my soul, awake, did in pure love descend, to die here for thy sake, in thou canst get but thither. There grows the flower of peace, the rose that cannot wither, Thy fortress and thy ease, leave then thy foolish ranges, for none can thee secure but one who never changes, thy God, thy life, thy cure. The Timber Sure thou didst flourish once at many springs, many bright mornings, much dew, many showers, passed over thy head, many light hearts and wings, which now are dead, logged in thy living bowers. And still a new succession sings and flies. Fresh grooves grow up and their green branches shoot towards the old and still enduring skies while the low violet thrives at their root. But thou beneath the sad and heavy line of death doth waste all senseless cold and dark where not so much as dreams of light may shine nor any thought of greenness leaf or bark. And yet, as if some deep hate and dissent bred in thy growth betwixt a high wind and thee, were still alive, thou dost great storms resent before they come and knowest how near they be, else at all rest thou liest and the fierce breath. Of tempests can no more disturb thy ease, but this thy strange resentment after death means only those who broke in life thy peace. And this one's called Friends Departed. They are all gone into the world of light, and I alone sit lingering here. Their very memory is fair and bright, and my sad thoughts doth clear. It glows and glitters in my cloudy breast, like stars upon some gloomy groove. Or those faint beams in which this hill is dressed, after the sun's remove. I see them walking in an air of glory, whose light doth trample on my days, my days which are at best but dull and hoary, mere glimmering and decays. O oh, holy hope and high humility, high as the heavens above, these are your walks, and you have showed them me to kindly my to kindle my cold love. Dear beauty is death, the jewel of the lust of the just, shining nowhere but in the dark. What mysteries do lie beyond thy dust, could man outlook that mark? He that hath found some fledged bird's nest may know, at first sight, if the bird be flown. But what fair well or grove he sings in now, that is to him unknown. And yet as angels in some brighter dreams call to the soul, when man doth sleep, so some strange thoughts transcend our wanted themes, and into glory peep. If a star were, if a, if a star were confined into a tomb, her captive flames must need burn there, but when the hand that locked her up gives room, she'll shine through all the sphere. O Father of eternal life, and all greatest glories under thee, resume thy spirit from this world of thrall into true liberty. 
either disperse these mists which blot and fill my perspective still as they pass, or else remove my hence unto that hill where I shall need no glass. Cool. All right, who was that again? Let me scroll back up. Henry Vaughan. Henry Vaughan, amateur poet, somehow in this book. <laughs> I thought those were those were bad poems. It's just me. Were they bad poems? Sorry, Henry. R.I.P., my friend. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Catch you tomorrow.